Hello, my lovelies. This is May Kay Sang, your podcast guesting strategist and mentor, cat lover, and the proud host of the Quiet Rebels podcast. This is the place for experts on the rise who are finally ready to stop playing small and to start showing up as the leader they've always been. And contrary to what you might think, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. You've always been the type to see things differently, and you've always chosen another pathway if the one laid out in front of you just doesn't align with your way of life. You're not alone in this. So to help you on your journey, I'm bringing conscious conversations to the table with myself and guest experts who will help you with the inner work that needs to be done in order to make a positive impact on the world with what you do. I see you. And now it's time to hear you, my friend. So please welcome to The Quiet Rebellion. You're listening to The Quiet Rebels podcast, episode number 62. And my lovely, today's episode is something that I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. And I think because it's something uncomfortable, it can be swept under the rug and we just kind of like pray and hope it doesn't happen to us, but it really needs to be talked about. And that is how to feel safe and secure as an online entrepreneur. And this is from the perspective of literal online security, how you are being seen. And a lot of the conversations that we have on this podcast is about visibility, right? But I want to ask you, are you playing it safe because you don't feel safe? Because if you don't feel safe, then that is going to be a real reason why you don't show up. And even though everyone around you is going to just tell you, show up more, show up more, show up more, just put yourself out there. Unless you feel safe to do so, you're not going to do it. And that's why we're going to be stepping a little bit into the shadow work today. And through the shadow work is how we come back out into the light. Because I by no means want to create this facade as if everything is perfect and fairy dust all the time because it honestly isn't. And I know a lot of the conversations we have are, you know, you know, they're generally pretty positive, which is wonderful. But again, this conversation has to happen. And I want each and every one of you who has chosen to tune in today to feel completely safe as you show up online. Because in this episode today, I am going to be revealing some pretty disturbing, to be honest, some pretty disturbing occurrences that have happened to me as I've shown up online over the last couple of years. And one occurrence just made me want to hide and never come back. But the fact that this podcast exists shows you that I have managed to overcome it. It's taken a lot of healing, it's taken a lot of coaching and support, but also I had to get my shit together. And you guys know that I don't swear very often, but this is definitely going to be most explicit for a reason. But I had to get my shit together in regards to my security settings and just like what kind of information I reveal online. And this is also why um, you actually don't see or hear a lot about my family, because 
Chinese people tend to be very private, and I know it's not just Chinese people, but obviously I'm speaking from my own heritage here, so just run with me on this. I have a family who struggles with sharing certain details about themselves, and to be honest, my work sometimes freaks them out a little bit. Not because I share much about them, but very intimate and personal things about myself that they're just coming in wanting to keep me safe. So I know it comes from a place of love. But a lot of my work is about really voicing these unheard, unspoken things. And I know it's not the same for my family, which is why you will very rarely see them online in my pictures, in my videos. And that was a conscious decision that I made. I asked them outright, how involved would you like to be in my online work? Because I totally want to respect where they're coming from and what they want to come by keep for themselves. And that is coming from a complete place of respect. It's not that I'm ashamed of showing them or anything. If anything, I'd love to show them more, but it's just something to take into account. And I know that many entrepreneurs online, they share many details about their family, their spouses, their children, their sisters, their parents. And, you know, that is absolutely wonderful. And I've always come from a more cautious perspective in that regard. I mean, I give an example that um, at the time of this recording, I have a fairly newborn nephew and he is the light of my life. He's just so innocent, so pure. And I remember taking pictures of him that I was going to naturally keep in my, um, you know, in my phone. And I asked my sister, hey, sis, is it okay that I post this on Instagram? And she was like, of course, he's your nephew. And then... My partner immediately jumped in for me and she said, the reason why May Kay's asking is because her work is online and she just wants to make sure that you're comfortable with his picture being out there for more people to see. Is that okay? You know? And speaking of my partner, I haven't really mentioned her name. Nor do I tag her. And it's not because I don't want anyone to like find out who she is, all that kind of stuff. But she's been very honest with me and said that, you know, I support you completely what you do online, but I'd rather stay a bit more behind the scenes. And again, totally her decision. And I really hope that I'm, you know, as I'm talking about this, that it's really making you become more aware of how much you show of yourself online, in which capacities and in which spaces. Because this episode today is going to be very eye-opening and some of it may be triggering, some of it may be very confronting as well. So I just want to give you a heads up that if you are going to be listening to this, please do prepare yourself just in case that comes up. So make yourself a cup of tea, have a journal nearby, whatever it is that's going to make you feel as comfortable as possible as you tune into this. Because my very special guest, she is an expert in online security. And in fact, uh, I'll mention this in the interview, but I reached out to her when I felt like I wanted to basically crawl under a rock and die because there was a moment during one of my launches when I received unwanted attention from a man and it just made me feel completely exposed and I just didn't want to do anything anymore. 
and I share this with you to reveal the reality of what can happen if there are some holes in the places where you show up where people can actually peek through, oftentimes without your permission. So I thank you and welcome you with complete open arms as we dive into this conversation today, because my goal when I invited my guest on was to do everything we could, everything we can to make you feel safer as you show up online. So my friend, let's dive in. Hello, my lovely quiet rebels. So today's conversation is a much needed one. And before I go into introducing my guest, I actually want to share with you how we met. So in January 2020, so this year at the time of this recording, I was in the middle of my second launch for my group program on podcast guesting. And so there was a lot of visibility work that I was doing, you know, showing up more than usual, you know, on podcasts and on social media and even like from my first Facebook ads. And it was a really scary time because with launches, you never know how they're going to go, right? So everything's already up in the air. But there was a situation that happened. I can't even piece it together because (laughs) this is kind of bringing up all the feels. But there was a situation that happened when I received some unwanted attention from a man. So the unwantedness, you can imagine when there was less than pure thoughts between our communication and it made me feel incredibly unsafe I didn't want to show up anymore and there was this one community where I felt like I could share this and in this community I had a you know beautiful group of women like share with me how I really wasn't alone and how you know I can really overcome this but there was one person in particular who really helped me to elevate this conversation a little bit further. And she is the person on this podcast today. She is a security specialist and private investigator. And what I love about what she does is that she really helps to navigate the space between us being visible, but also being feeling safe to show up online. And so please join me in welcoming the wonderful Shannon Miller. Hello, how are you? Very good, thank you. Very good. And oh my gosh, I have been like, I've been wanting to have this conversation for the last couple of months. And because we talk about visibility a lot on this podcast, being quite rebel and all, I love that we can really bring in something that may have actually been a block that people don't even realize. Like sometimes when it comes to visibility, people often think, oh no, I'm just lacking in the strategy or, you know, don't have the confidence yet or I don't have the systems in place. But very rarely do we actually speak about the security and safety side of things. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I so, so appreciate you coming onto the podcast today to share with us how we can really make ourselves feel safe. Because what I love in the form that you filled out um, when it came to, you know, just like formatting our conversation on this uh, podcast, you said that everyone has a right to feel safe. Yeah, that's kind of my my personal mantra, and usually how I meet clients. Usually how I meet people. It's usually on their worst day, not their best day. It's usually at the moment of crisis, and that's kind of how I see what I do. Is is I meet people where they're at, and that's yes. usually the place between like absolute terror 
and safety, somewhere in the middle. And everyone falls differently on that spectrum of safety. So for you, it was, you had been harassed and that's what, let's call it what it is, is harassment and ask any woman and she'll tell you a story about how you harassed or picked on or told something or explained to, or as I say, mansplained to on the internet. And sometimes it escalates. And in your case, it escalated to a very uncomfortable place for you where he made you feel unsafe. And that is what we call harassment. And that's why when I say something to somebody, the first thing I lead with, I'm so sorry. And I want to help you feel safe again. Mm. Oh, even that just made me feel just a little bit safer. So thank you. That's all. And actually calling out what it is, because sometimes I find that I, I myself, I tend to dance around the what actually happened. Like, oh, no, it's, it's actually not as bad as it sounds. But actually, no, you're right. It's and was harassment. And it's not the first time it's happened. And I know that I can speak for many women that there have been so many occasions where they just haven't spoken up because it probably felt like, you know, it didn't matter or like, oh, no, it's just it's just a one time thing or something. But I really want to ha- bring this conversation forward. So before we get into like the really, really important questions we need to ask ourselves and kind of like help assess where we are, I would love to know how you got into this work, Shannon, because I know you have a personal story that <laughs> I do. Um, yeah. Every story is personal. And I got into this particular type of work, online investigations, uh, harassment, stalking cases is really what I handle. It's very specialized. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it happened to somebody I love. And a family member of mine was caught up in a, you know, romance scam, one of those online internet scams where, and everyone knows somebody, ask anyone, and they'll be like, they don't want to admit it because of feelings of shame or guilt or, um, you know, they're too intelligent to fall for something like that. But even smart men and women can get scammed. And even smart men and women can be harassed. And usually the more visible you are, the more risk you're going to get trolled by somebody, you're going to get harassed by somebody. And so in this case, one of my family members was scammed out of a large, large sum of money. And it's this, it's, it's, it's kind of this horrific tale. I'll write a blog post about it sometime, but for about a year, it kind of went on and I, I saw the red flags and I, I tried to warn my, my friends and my family member about it. And she just didn't want to listen. She was caught up in the romance of it all. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I was thinking if I could just take the things that I already know, the training I already have, the, um, I have a background in uh, government and foreign policy. So my specialty is security and safety. So conflict resolution. And so I took those skills and kind of parlayed them into this career, if you will, of uh, security consultation for women, privacy consulting, and private investigation. So it kind of came as a result of that. It kind of shifted the course of where I was going in my business to the space of how can we better address this really common problem, this, this common thing that happens, this scamming, this harassing, this threatening behavior, and why are we allowing it? Why do we feel, as women especially, that it's okay to not give voice to that, to let somebody take that power away from us. When you name it and you, and you take the shame out of it and the, and mm. the feelings of guilt, repression that you have, like it's this fundamentally what it is, is somebody subjugating your power as a woman. It's mm. saying you're not enough. You're too much. You're intimidating. You're scary. You're like something about you makes me as a man or person harassing you feel inadequate. And I'm going to take your power away and harass you until you go away. So it's like, it's projecting their feelings of inadequacy onto you and saying, it's okay for me to explain things to you, talk down to you, tell you that you're not good enough, tell you that, you you know, slut shamey perhaps. And that happens too. Like, it's so complicated how this happens. But like I said, 
ask any woman, ask any person, and they'll tell you this story. And you'll look at another woman. You'll never look at them the same again. You'll look at them and you'll say, that woman has a story. Not just one, but many, many, many stories of harassment, perhaps of stalking, perhaps of something far worse. And you can't compare your story to another's, but that's kind of what got me into this was, you know, things happened to me and things happened to people I knew. And I said, if every woman has this story, how can we stop this? How can we bring awareness? How can we name it? How can we stop people from doing that to others? Mm. That's kind of how I got into it. It's That's a long-winded version of, but oh, yeah, no, kind that... of my, my personal, like, that's kind of like, it just drove this wedge. Like, uh, I was yeah. so mad. It started as a place of anger and that yeah. rage. And I love, I use that rage. Use it. It's so powerful. We are allowed to be angry as women. We are allowed to be empowered by that anger because of what's happening in the world, because it's, it's happening at high levels. It's happening in government. It's happening in politics. Every single day you have somebody telling you, a white man, sorry, but we're going to go there. I'm going to say it. But you have powerful people, powerful men telling women what they can and can't do with their bodies, what they can and can't do online, what they can and can't do in a business. It's about subjugation of power. Mm-hmm. It is. And it's that rage should fuel your fire. It should empower you. It should guide everything you do because you are worthy to feel it. You are worthy enough to feel that and not stand for harassment, for stalking, for anyone who makes you feel unsafe. I have nothing to say, but amen, sister. <laughs> like, <there's nothing laughs> oh, yeah, getting a little preachy. I just I feel very no, strongly. I it. And it's like you've got it. People are afraid to speak up. They're afraid because of what happens when you speak up. The louder you speak and and the more powerful you are, the more afraid people are of you. And it's I'm not mm. saying use your power for ill. I'm saying use it for good. If you have a position of power and, and a platform, use it. Leverage it. Lean into it. Like we're seeing this in the Black Lives Matter movement. We're seeing it with women of color, indigenous women. We're seeing it in Asian culture. We're seeing all over the world protests against what is not okay, which is systematic racism, systematic subjugation of women and trans and you know every community that is less or considered less than by the people in power. You don't have to name one particular community. Every single one, every minority, every person who doesn't have a position of privilege has been subjugated in some way by authority. And... It's just to think that the people who have actually spoken up are actually a very, very, very small portion of the population. And there's so many voices left unheard. Yes. And so I'm just really hit by this uh, conversation right now. And I'd love to ask you, Shannon, it's quite obvious but I want you to explain it anyway, (laughs) but why is our online safety and security important? Well, I mean, we've talked about several reasons because, you know, the more visible, as I said, the more you're going to be at risk for this. It will happen to you. It's not if, but it's when. So, you know, that theory of like, well, it hasn't happened to me yet, Mm -hmm. but it could. And I don't really want to think about it until people don't want to think about it until it happens. And so just having a little bit of awareness about what your risk profile is. And and I'm going to use that term 
just so you understand it, risk profile, when I say that, it means that you've got to think about the people in your life, your position, your job, your role, um, your family. You're taking into account all the things that touch your life, um, your career, like the sphere in which you operate and the people connected to you through social media, physically in your town. Your threat profile would differ if you're a man, if you're a woman, if you're a mother, you know, you think about your kids and you think about your extended family and your cousins, your aunts. Like, so depending on who you're connected to and what you do, and how you show up, that's going to be a different threat profile for everyone. Like men don't think like women do. Like most women, I will say, having had conversations with them, like we leave the house, we have a different threat profile than a man. We're thinking about the time of day it is. Um, unconsciously, we think about these mm-hmm. things. We think, okay, where, where am I going to park my car? Where are my keys? What time of day am I going out? If I go running, do I go during daylight hours? Do I go after dark? Like, yeah. are we alone? Am I with a group of friends? Is it safe to go to a bar with my girlfriends? Do I go to the bathroom with my girlfriends? We go in packs for a reason. We are mm-hmm. And from the time that we are young, we have a different threat profile, a different threat model than men. Just fundamentally, as women, we are feel less safe because we're smaller generally than a male. They're more powerful. They're bigger. They're stronger. And I'm not saying that to denigrate any women who are powerful, strong women. That's not it at all. What I'm saying is physically they are larger. So what we think about and how we operate and the choices that we make, every choice we make is about our physical and mental and our our safety as a person. So when I say threat profile or risk profile, that's what I'm assessing. So it's like, if you have a history of of having a stalker, if you have somebody that's come back over and over, that's a different threat model. That's a different threat profile. So that's kind of just the general term. When we're talking about steps you can take, things that I know we're going to go there. So I'm just going to kind of lead into that. But (laughs) when you're taking (laughs) steps, like just think about what are my risks? What do I have that's out there online about me? What things have I said in social media? You know, because people can find where you live. You know, there's this thing, I know I taught you this thing about doxing, Mm -hmm. doxing, meaning somebody does a little bit of internet research on you, finds out where you live, posts it publicly on Twitter, on Facebook, that's called doxing someone. And technically, it's not illegal. In some places, it may be, I don't know every country's laws, but doxing itself, releasing publicly available information about a person is not illegal unless it's their personally identifiable information, like um, like an identifying number, such as a social security number in the United States or a national ID number in other countries, or releasing like their photos of their passports or things like that, that can get you into trouble. That's illegal. But releasing where they live, that's publicly available in, in documents or online databases, that's not illegal. However, if they do it to you, then that person knows where you live. And if they're just crazy enough, just mad enough at you to harass you to the point where they threaten you, then that's illegal, right? Mm -hmm. If they physically you online threaten, if they name you and threaten you, that's illegal. It's against the terms of use of every social media platform, Um, whether it's Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. If you threaten somebody, you need to take it seriously. Like if somebody Mm -hmm. sends you a threat or says something to you, I don't want you to think twice about it. I don't want you to, I don't want you to think it away. I want you to go to the police and I want you to file a report because then you have a record. You have a record of it. If something happens, if something more happens, you keep documentation of everything. So if somebody starts harassing you and picking on you, I think I mentioned this to you when we had an exchange in the group once, but if somebody's bothering you, then I want you to document everything. I want you to keep screenshots. I want you to keep what we call receipts. I want you to keep emails, voicemails, anything that would build a timeline of this person bothering you so that when you report, because you will report, 
they might not be able to file charges immediately, but you will have a track record of this person following you online. You will have a track record of them stalking you. It'll build a case for you. So like, I know that's taking it really far, but like, if you see somebody continuing to build like fake social media accounts to follow you and you can tell it's the same person over and over, that's a clue. Use that, document that, and then talk to people in your family. This is the thing that we forget is like, we keep it to ourselves when somebody's harassing us or bothering us. We feel uncomfortable sharing that. Share it. Talk to your friends and your family because the more people that know, the better we can protect you. Like they can be your support system, your emotional support system, because it is very, very traumatizing when somebody's going after you, when they're trolling you, when they're ruining your online reputation, right? Because that's the worry, isn't it? Is that it's going to affect your bottom line of your bank account, your business. Like you don't want that. You don't want somebody's ability to troll you or harass you online to take away your profit, to take away your ability to earn your your living, right? That takes away your safety too. That takes away the security of your home and your life and your income. So mm-hmm. these are just little things, like little things to know. Just always have a support system in mind. Always take it seriously if you're threatened. You know, understand your risks, like how visible you are, who you're connected to, because your weakest link is going to be friends and family. Because sometimes, mm. you know, we, there's this thing called social engineering where somebody will get to know you. They'll profile you. They'll spend hours looking at your profiles, get to know little things about you, the name of your dog or the name of your sister, your best friend, where you live, what cafes you go to. And they'll put all this information together and they'll build a profile based on that. They'll build a social media profile, get to know you, get into your friends groups, your Facebook groups, engage in conversations with you online with a fake account, know everything about you, make you feel like you can trust them, engage you in conversation, get you on Facebook Messenger. That person could be taking all that information and harassing you. So it's there. I've seen it time and time again. They get close to you through your friend network, through the people that you're connected to. I know this is a lot. This is just a general overview of the things that I work on, but um, I have guidance on my blog as well. I have like, if you're being stalked or harassed, these are the things you do. And I have a step-by-step list of the things that you can do. And we'll to varying, sure. yeah, to varying degrees, I'm going to be putting up a ton of stuff about in the next month. I've got a, like 30 blog posts ready to go about privacy tips, ways you can protect your social media. I have an ebook about it. I'm going to have a class and a masterclass on it. So these are all things because this conversation happens over and over and over. These are the same conversations I have with every person I talk to, every client I engage it's the same pattern of behavior. It's just a different person. And it's like the same story. And it's so sad because it's like, Mm. it's just, I have never felt more aware of how important it is to talk about this than now. Mm, Absolutely. And, you know, please go as deep as you want, uh, because (laughs) to think that that's a, just an overview of like, oh yes, we're going to be digging into all the blogs that you'll be posting. So (laughs) hundred percent link it up. And as you were speaking about uh, the threat profile, mm-hmm. it never dawned on me that it's true that when I go out, I wonder, you know, am I alone? Um, am I going to be meeting a group of friends? What time of day it is? And actually, I kid you not, whenever I walk home, I always have like either a pen or my the sharp end of my keys in my pocket. I turn my music down on the lowest volume because walking towards my house is like there's a part where there's like no street lamps and so it's freaking terrifying but you're (laughs) you're aware of it yes and you didn't even think about it until now and now you're like oh and it's like it's that tiny little bit of awareness that I want every woman and every man who feels threatened to have like everyone who's ever felt that little tiny that's that's your instincts that's Mm. the things that we shove down that natural instinct of like um of intuition or gut whatever how whatever phrase you use but that don't ignore that. That mm. will save your life. 
that tiny, if if someone makes you uncomfortable, there is a reason. Listen to that. If, if someone doesn't feel right, too good to be true, it probably is like that, Mm -hmm. that phrase. I know we ignore that. And especially as women, because we want to be nice. Don't be nice. You can be kind and not be nice. Being nice gets you nothing. Being Mm -hmm. nice gets you, sorry, dead. Being nice gets you harassed, stopped, and in bad situations. And it's like, I don't, I don't think it should be on all women to have that responsibility. We as a society have a responsibility to women and men to be better. And unfortunately we're not yet. We're not there, but we have an opportunity right now. This is a point in time where we could change that. We could change the way we treat one another in society with more kindness and we could do better. But right now our safety and our security is up to us. Because mm-hmm. no one's coming to save us, unfortunately. We want them to, but no one is. So mm-hmm. just knowing that you know enough to be aware of, okay, it's dark. There's no streetlight there. Maybe I'll just go to where there is a streetlight or I'll like be very aware, situationally aware of what's happening. And like, you know, if you see or feel something and you're uncomfortable, walk faster. Like, yes. I know that sounds silly, but it's like, if your gut is like, I'm really uncomfortable right now. There must be something. I'm just going to go with it and trust my instincts. Yeah. The only times in my life where I've ignored my instincts are actually when it's really landed me in really difficult situations. Harassment. Okay, I'm going to just say it now. (laughs) Say it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because I was too nice. And Mm. there is a difference between being nice and being kind, right? Being kind without being nice. Nice is a societal expectation of women, and especially Mm. women, not necessarily men, but women. You don't have to be nice. You don't like, I don't want to be, if you describe me as nice, I am doing something wrong. <laughs> like if you think of me and you're like, oh, she's so nice. I'm not nice. That's okay. I don't need to be nice. I need you to trust me. I need you to know that whatever I tell you, you're going to trust and follow my guidance and do it, make you safer, not less safe. Like I'm not perfect at this and I make mistakes too, but like learn from mine, learn from this experience. Don't do the same thing. Like don't not take this seriously, you know, take this take all of this as a, as a warning to yourself of like, I need to know these things, even if I don't need them yet. Yes. I want you to be prepared. I want you to have a plan. I want you to be so ready that when the worst thing happens to you, it doesn't defeat you. Instead, mm. it makes you go, I'm mad and I want justice and I want fairness and I want equality. That's what this fight is really about. It's like equal rights, equal representation, equal everything. All of us on the same playing field at the same place in the same moment treating each other well as human beings. That's it. That's all I want. World yeah. peace too would be nice, but yeah. <laughs> we got to start somewhere. Let's start yes. with the equality conversation and like, yeah, <laughs> we'll get there. I promise. <laughs> yes, we will together as a collective. And so I want to extend this conversation a little bit further. So we've currently spoken about what we can do when it comes to ourselves right but something that I've actually never really told anyone is that I'm very wary of not posting too many pictures of my family Mm -hmm. and my my partner let alone tag them or use their real name or anything like that because I'm very aware that I have chosen to be in a very visible position right. as an online business owner. But just so you know, Chinese people, and like not, not just Chinese people, but just from my upbringing, we're taught to be very private and very to ourselves. And so I have completely broken the mold with what I've chosen to do with my life, all about amplifying unheard voices. 
but naturally a part of me is still going back to that instinctual need to protect my family and friends who have chosen to actually be out of the spotlight so like I'm just kind of like I'm really curious about your like what you're thinking around like being very open about sharing the faces and you know tagging the names and all the things of our loved ones when they're not actually in the same sphere as we are I think it's it's a hard conversation people Mm. because everyone shares everything and I come I was raised in a generation that was similar to your upbringing and that we don't I don't put my my husband and my partner online he has chosen to not be part he's part of the business behind the scenes I don't put my family and friends I don't tag them and that's a personal choice and again I don't know what the companies are doing with my data, my photos, the things that I share. I don't, tech companies don't tell you what they do with your data. And that's a problem for me. Like that's a fight against the tech companies in Silicon Valley, whole different conversation, but they just play this into the privacy conversation where everybody's like, well, I have nothing to hide. I said, and my, com- when somebody says that to me, I say, everyone has a right to privacy. It is a human right to yes. privacy. If that is what you choose, you can share what you choose to share, like in certain positions of authority, for example, politicians and celebrities, they've made a choice to be in the spotlight and therefore they have given up a certain right to privacy. Now, does that mean somebody can come on their property and invade their home? No, that's called stalking. But, you know, there, there's a certain level of, of celebrity, let's say, or a certain level of a recognition that where you give up a certain right to privacy. That doesn't mean everyone gets to know the details of your romances, the, the people you spend time with, your friends and family. If they choose to be private, you have to respect that. Mm-hmm. And um, you have to be willing to be okay with that. And again, like, if you're choosing to put your children online, let me ask you this, that never goes away. Like you start putting your kid online from the time that they're a baby, they never had a choice. They never got to buy in. They never got to say, this is okay with me. I know plenty of teenagers who have no interest in being on social media. I know that sounds weird, but you know, think about it. We, we have teenagers who are raised and know social media better than, you know, old, old farts do. Like, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I'm not a youngin anymore. I was raised in, in the age of social media too, but not the way these teenagers are. Like they're, it's amazing what they know. They're smart. They're tech savvy. They, they know the ins and outs of everything. And they also know what harassment looks like because it's happened to them. Like every teenage girl I know is approached by some predator on the internet. Who's like, Hey, let's share photos. No, don't do that. Girls. That's a whole conversation about sexting we should have too, but Mm. that one's rough, but it happens more often than you think you've just got to respect the wishes of the people in your family. Don't want to share it. And so I, I think have that conversation with your family and say, look, this is what I'm doing. Do you want to be involved in that or should I not involve you in that? And, and, and I don't think it's anybody's right to know the status of your relationship or your sexuality or what you choose to share and not share or, or the, you know, what movies you watch and the things that you eat. If you don't want to share that, that's okay. Like you can still be connected with people and still have a private life that's offline. 99% of my life is offline. You know, like 0.01% about me. You can Google and find me. Chances of you actually knowing me, very slim. But it's, it's that balance. You have to find that balance for your business and for you, what's comfortable for you, for your partner and your family. I don't think there is one right answer to that. I think it's, you have to have these hard conversations. And I think you should take and respect your kids' desire to either be online or not be online. Frankly, I would prefer if people didn't post photos of their children, because that's just a whole other thing that gets into child exploitation. And I mean that in the sense, like you post an innocent photo, you don't know where it goes or who's looking at it or what they're Mm. seeing when they look at it. So I don't want to get into the diggy dirty stuff about child exploitation stuff, but it's there and it's real. And it happens on Facebook all the time, all the time. If the good people are on social media, so are the bad people. 
Mm. So it's just that there's, you've got to balance the light and the dark and you have to understand for every great tech invention, there's always a downside too. And, and that's kind of what I have to consider in my space of like tech and security is no matter how good this thing is, what are the ramifications if we don't do this right? If we, you know, build fast and break things like Mark Zuckerberg did with Facebook, at what cost to his users? At what cost to the privacy and respect of the people who use his platform, right? I use it, you use it, but that the way he's executed this every time he's lied, he's lied about the way he respects your privacy. He's lied about what he did with your data. So for me, when somebody says, oh yeah, I respect your privacy, I always question, but what are you doing about it? How are you protecting the people you say you care about, the people that you took all their data and sold it and, you know, had a fallout from it. And now you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm going to pay a fine. Like, no. Don't be reactive, be proactive, be be kind to your users, be kind to the people in your life. Why is this so hard? We're human. Come on now. (laughs) So much importance to this conversation here. And just to um, backtrack a little bit, when it came to the conversation about featuring your friends and family, those who aren't online, right? So last Friday, at the time of this recording, I met my baby nephew for the first time. Mm -hmm. And he is the sweetest, most innocent you know, mm-hmm. tiny human in my world. And I remember as I took a picture, obviously for my own my own phone, and then I asked my sister permission. I, I did say like, oh, would it be okay if I posted on Instagram? And then she said, why are you asking permission for? And then my partner jumped in and said, I know, because my sister said, oh, you know, our cousin Nick already posted. And then my partner jumped in and said, yeah, but Meike is like a, a public figure and she just wants to make sure it's okay with you first, you know, and Again, I post, I don't tag my sister, I don't tag my brother or anybody, but it's kind of like, if they figure it out from there, then maybe they are friends and family, like in real life, but I'd much rather like, not have a pathway for people to track my family against their will. So that's just something that I've done and I'm not sure whether it was right or wrong. And I know it's not easy like to navigate this conversation <laughs> as, if there, as if there is a right or wrong, but it's up to you. It's up yeah. to what the family is comfortable with. The fact that you ask tells me you have a hell of a lot more awareness than most people. It means that you care enough to ask. I always ask. I, I say, is it okay? I'm like, I have now trained my friends and family to ask whether to take a photo of me because I don't, I don't do photography. I rarely do videos for my work and what I do and the clients that I have. I value their privacy more than my own. I value it so much that I don't have this social shares. I don't have the testimonials because every client I have we signed a confidentiality agreement and an NDA because I value the things in their life and what they've asked me to do because I'm digging into very uncomfortable things. The first thing I say is tell me the worst thing about yourself so that I'm not going to be surprised when I find it. Do you know how deep you have to go, how quick you have to go with somebody who's trusting you with their life? Mm -hmm. You have to be so open about it and you have to be so careful with how you handle them. And it's such a trust built relationship. It's like, I value the one-to-one work more than anything I do with, I love doing my online classes. I love doing these workshops because the more I can educate, the better off people are and they can share it with their friends and family. That allows me to reach a bigger audience. But my heart work is the one-to-one because I see the changes and I see the hope and I see the rebuilding of who they are because they're, they're brought so low by what happens to them and they're so afraid. And it's like to watch somebody rise again, the ashes of that, that's mm-hmm. so powerful. Like to see somebody who is so strong to overcome what they do and to say, this is the worst thing that ever happened to me, but it's not going to defeat me. And I'm like, you'll be ready when the next time something happens to you, because there will be a next 
time of something. Like everyone's going to experience a loss or, you know, a marriage, a divorce, a birth, a death. Like we all have life events. That's, I can't stop that, but you'll be ready. If there's another trauma coming your way, you'll be ready. You'll have a plan. You'll have a, a system. You'll be like, this is what I do. This is how we handle it. This is how we fix things. And it's like, I see myself as kind of like a fixer, if you will, but like in a good way, like Olivia Pope saving the world type of way, not the scary, like taking over the government kind of way. <laughs> but when you're able to see somebody rise from trauma to get up and just stand on their own two feet again, that's powerful. Like that's so empowering to me as a woman and to watch other people want to do similar things or want to get into the field of security or to inspire someone. That's so cool. I love that. Like, I'm not saying I'm not inspiring, but like when somebody says you made made (laughs) me feel like better, like there is nothing more rewarding than that. And it's like, you know, I I don't want to say that I have business for life. I do, but I don't, I don't want it. I don't want this. Like, I wish I didn't have to do this. I wish this wasn't a necessary thing, but I can't find anyone else operating in this space. I can't mm. find a woman, especially like yeah. I found men, but I haven't found a lot of women willing to do this work because it is hard work. It is, it is. It is tough. It is long-term and there are no guaranteed outcomes other than we teach you things. We teach you how to be safer. We teach you how to be more private if that's what you want. If we need to disappear you, we do that too. So like depending on the range of where you're at, if, if you need to become someone else, we can do that. Absolutely. Oh, okay. So this conversation has really touched on some topics that are not talked about nearly enough <laughs> online and offline even, but I'm really glad to, well, first of all, very, very fortunate to have connected with you first and foremost. And I just want to like, this, well, this is not even at the end, but I'm already thanking you. <laughs> I think it is really, really important. And there are so many you know, gaps where we are left exposed, which is why I really don't like the word exposure. Like when people talk about visibility and people say that, oh yeah, like, yeah, exposure. I'm like, I don't want to be exposed. Are you, yeah, are you kidding me? authentic now, you know? It's yeah. like, what does that yeah. even mean? I don't, it, like feels, it. it feels dirty and not in a nice way. Like there's good dirty, bad dirty. It's a bad <laughs> dirty. Like we don't like that kind of dirty. No, no not at <laughs> all. So oh, that, that's just a whole number conversation. Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it, absolutely. But you touched upon so many great points and I'm just, I know that this is probably going to leave a lot of emotions in the air for those who are listening right now, suddenly becoming aware of the places where they may be very prone and very vulnerable to some form of harassment or like this feeling of just like not being safe online. And of course, this conversation is not about fear mongering. It's not about awareness so you can suddenly start hiding. It's, it's rather like just being aware of where you're left like unguarded and the steps we can take to still show up online comfortably, like within ourselves without the fear or less fear at least. So I'd love to hear from you because like what are the very simple steps that we can take today so that we can feel just a little bit more safer as we show up online? Safety is a is a very broad term. So mm, I will okay. say like depending on what social platforms you're on, like take like take a look at where you're at online. Um kind of I, I like to call it your digital profile or your online footprint. That means like what sites are you on? How much are you on them? What kind of take an assessment of everything that's out there about you. Just basically you're, 
self-doxing, let's call it, like go back to that doxing word, but you're looking looking yourself up in Google, looking at where you show up in search results, looking at mm. what publicly available information is out there about you, because there's ways to remove your address from public records if you are perhaps a victim of domestic abuse, for example. In many countries, in many states, you can be removed from the public uh, voter rolls, like your address can be hidden. Um, you can put a different address, like a PO box or something. I know that's not what we're talking about, but for that purpose, there are ways to anonymize some of your data. There's ways to delete yourself from some of those data aggregation um, sites, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's those people search sites like Intellius yeah. and such. Like somebody could look up your name and like your age pops up, your your date. They can pay five bucks and have a whole profile on you based on credit reports, based on public database information that's been sold by data companies, by tech companies about you. So understanding where you're vulnerable, the, the best thing that you can do for yourself is Google yourself and figure out, okay, what don't I want out there about me? What do I need to remove? There's layers for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like we'll go back to that threat profile, what you, what your risk profile is. Everyone needs to know. You need to know what your baseline is. What is your baseline of information that people can find about you and how much of it do you need to get removed? But that's a different step and you probably have to, that takes time. And there's other, I teach people how to do that. We could do even a class on that, but you need to know where you're vulnerable. So you need to know where your profiles are, how many social media profiles that you are, and like how much comes up on you about on Google and other public sites. So that at least then you can say, okay, these are the things I need to fix or change so that I'm safer. And so my family's safer. So somebody doesn't show up at your house, right? Because that's, yeah. Oh, um, that's, that's it's super, it's super creepy and it's possible. Mm-hmm. So it's just knowing those things, it prepares you and you have a good idea of what, then you can take the next steps, which is, you know, deciding, okay, I want to be removed, unsubscribed from certain lists. I want to, my address removed from public sites. I want um, my phone number to be filtered. Most people don't have their mobile number publicly available, but in some cases it's listed somewhere or you've given it to somebody or you want a new number. So like those are things to think about, like who, who is in your contact list um, that maybe doesn't need to be there anymore. Doesn't need to have your number, like lose my number type of thing. Like you have a bad date. You're like, lose my number. Yeah. If you need to just change your number, do it. Like if you feel like too many people have your number, just get a new phone number and give it out to select friends and family that you want to have that. And then have a separate number for business. And that Mm -hmm. way you can separate out your business and personal life. And like, think about also where you give your mobile number to like, cause everybody uses mobile. Hardly anyone has landlines. So be really careful who you give your mobile number to. I know we like to sign up for text notifications. What are they doing with your phone? Who are they selling it to? So like, think about that. These are just simple things you can do. Like just like so self-googling mobile numbers um sometimes if you're a little bit more vulnerable if you're a little bit more visible you may need to actually hire somebody to help you delete some of this information yeah um i can send you a resource i can't remember the name off the top of my head but there's a service that you can hire for a couple hundred bucks to help you delete yourself out of these databases yeah and sometimes it takes multiple requests to get that so it really just again it goes back to what do you need to have removed in order to feel safer Um, Mm. and how do you show up online? How much do people see you? How much harassment are you getting? If, if any, if you're like, I hardly get any because people seem to be smart enough to leave me alone. But (laughs) again, I still get people in my inbox who are like, Hey, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, do not send me dick pics. Like do not send me your pictures of your, I don't want to see it. I don't Mm. No one. No woman opens up their inbox and is like, Oh my gosh. Yay. No, (laughs) no, no one. No one asks for, unless you ask for that, don't do that. (laughs) Mm. but but you know what I mean like don't hit up somebody in the dms unless they've said a 
A, like consent. This is the word that, that I want to people to remember is consent. Consent to contact, consent to be added to your list, consent to do anything with anyone for any reason, consent to touch you physically, consent to have a conversation, always ask for consent, no matter what. So, mm. oh, that's so important. And as, as you're talking, I swear, as you've been speaking, like there have been some memories that have been suppressed that's just coming to the surface right now, what you said about phone numbers that I never answer if they're the blocked number or no caller ID first of all. Right. Um, but even if the number shows, I still don't pick it up most of the time. Yeah. We've been it. trained. We've yes. been trained to do that because of robocalling. But if you have one number that's dedicated to a very small group of people, you know that one's for emergencies. If you need to get a separate number, like just get a cheap mobile phone number. Like, you know, just just they only have that for emergencies. And then you have your regular business line. Like I know it's a little bit more expensive. You can find a cheap mobile phone with, you know, pay like pay as you go mobile type of thing. And sometimes that's that's better for your personal calls. Like if you need that separation, do that for your own well-being and your health, like your mental health, if you need to. Yeah. And so, yeah, what, what happened, I remember like a couple of years ago, this is when I stopped picking up uh, phone calls in general <laughs> and left them on my contact list. I can just hear a guy on the other on the other end of the line, just like heavy breathing. So I have no idea if he was masturbating, like it's as so he was, crazy. yeah, it was just, I remember like there's so, there's actually so many occasions where I felt like super, super unsafe. And I never thought that I'd actually reveal all of these things, but I'm just really glad to be able to speak to somebody who can actually just tell me like, no, don't tolerate that. It's not okay. Keep a track record. <laughs> and, and, yeah. But you're right just being very aware of where we share our information to. And actually, this is a test that I, I actually have a post that's coming out tomorrow on my social media on Instagram where I say, like, no, you can't just pay me money to have access to my friends because I'm in the podcast guesting world. Of course, you know, I have relationships with podcasters, but I don't sell that off. <laughs> you right. know, it takes a lot of nurturing and intentionality to build these relationships. And so it really, really to be frank, it really pisses me off when someone thinks that they can just pay me to have access. And to be fair, there are services out there who do have these relationships and it's understood by both parties, you know, that there is, you know, an element of like, okay, they pay me to have access to my Rolodex, you're a part of the Rolodex, right. but it is not how it works for me. And so when uh, someone like comes to me that and asks me for information mm-hmm. and I say, okay, let me ask if it's all right with the other person first. And if they don't respect that, I'm like, no, get out of my circle because it's clear that you don't care for consent or just mm-hmm. respecting someone else's privacy. So mm-hmm. thank you for that adding now. that word consent. It's so important. Like we're having hard conversations. This is a hard conversation to have with ourselves. It's like, what have we allowed Yes. Up to now, what have you allowed? Not just as a person, as, as a, a wife, a mother, a partner, a friend. What have we allowed? What have we allowed ourselves to do? What have we allowed other people to do to us, at us, with us, for us? Like, ask the question. These are hard conversations. It's not going to be easy. This, this type of shift, this type of change, this type of effort is hard. It is a hard thing to do. And it's painful. And change is tough. Change, changing our behavior is harder like those tiny habits that we're trying to acquire we all read those books like atomic habits tiny habits like we're like how do I build better habits this is part of your habit this is part of a a mindset shift this is about being aware of something you didn't know before but I guarantee 
you, if you change your mindset about security, you have that, that more safety mindset. There's a difference between safety and security, mind you. But safety, meaning I want to feel safe, security being the thing you do to be safe. Mm-hmm. So whether it's financial security or whether it is physical security or whether it is emotional security, having a safe space to share into like you and I are doing right now. This is a safe space for you and your audience to have these hard conversations and uplift one another and embrace one another and say, all of us have an exposed level of trauma right now because of a global pandemic we can have no control over. We have no control over that. What we can control is how we feel about it and how we deal with those feelings and how we empower one another to learn and to be safer. My goodness. I am so, so happy that I met you, Shannon. (laughs) (laughs) The feeling is mutual. Thank you. And I can just say again that we've touched on conversations that need to continue happening. And I'm really glad that this was brought to the forefront for the first time on this podcast. And I feel it's my responsibility now because it is to be able to hold that safe space as people actually start coming to terms with what they no longer are going to tolerate because now right. it's, it threatens their safety and mm-hmm. security. So thank you so much for this conversation. And of course, I want my listeners to find out more about you and more information of how they can really, you know, help themselves with where they're at. So where is your incredible blog and which masterclasses <laughs> can we sign up for? Seriously, tell us all the places. <laughs> <where we can laughs> okay. So all of it is going to be on lockdownyourlife.com. So I'm going to be, I'm updating the site still, but it's got information about my services. It's got information about classes available, about my eBooks. And I'm going to be coming out with a couple more. I'm going to be doing a series on this um, online safety and security. So basically the securing your social media, we're going to start there because that's like the, the easiest way we can start is just yeah. like, let's lock down your privacy on your social media accounts. Let's make sure that no one can your accounts or if they try, it's a lot harder. Because nothing is unhackable, everything's hackable. But you know, I'm going to be doing a masterclass on that. I already have an ebook on it. Um, I'm going to be teaching about. We're going to get into missing person searches because that's a whole oh. level of things that I do. But so I'll be doing monthly masterclasses this year. I'm like, I'm trying to ramp up a little after the first half of 2020, kind of hit me like a freight train. Like I think we're all feeling that. But mm-hmm. yeah, lockdownyourlife.com. I'm also on Twitter at lockdownyourlife. It's a uh, U R lockdown U R life because I didn't mm-hmm. get the long handle. But I'm lockdownyourlife on Instagram as well and I'm also I also have a Facebook page so mm, okay. those are all the places you can find me um my website's the easiest but I'm on all these socials and I, you can usually find me out on LinkedIn too so I'm everywhere and nowhere at the same time <laughs> <laughs> I love that and on your website is that where we'll find that information to sign up for those masterclasses because yeah. I'm asking yep. Definitely for myself and also for my listeners, of course. (laughs) I have a links page. I do. Um, I should have the landing. Hopefully I'll have the class page up in the next couple of days. But right now it's just, there's a couple of blog posts. I'm like, it takes time to build a blog. And I'm like, I haven't had the bandwidth. And now I'm like, okay, maybe I should write those blogs now. (laughs) It's kind of important, but hopefully your listeners will find it useful. Absolutely. And I will, I'll make sure to release this episode when all those things are ready. So lovelies, don't worry, because I obviously we're recording this ahead of time of the day that you're (laughs) going to be hearing this, but I'll make sure it's going to be released on the, at a time. So when you go to those links, you will find those masterclasses and landing pages. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Okay. So Shannon, I have one final question for you. So it seems a little bit strange now for me to ask you this question, <laughs> but, <follow up. laughs> but, but as follow, I'm going to ask you anyway. Um, obviously you're an absolute gem to, to speak to and to get to know. And I would love for my listener to learn one thing about you. So 
If you're a recurring listener, then you know what's about to happen next. But just in case this was the first conversation you listened to and you picked a pretty damn good one, by the way, if this is your first episode you're listening on this podcast. But what I love asking all of my guests when they hear the sound is that it is time for a fact of the day. So this is when my special guest, you know, openly shares something that whether it's a weird fact or a fun story that they can't actually find online. So <laughs> you only hear it here, basically. So Shannon, what is one thing that you'd like to share with our audience today, just so that we can really get to know you better and just really connect with you on a different level? I thought I was going to be a horse trainer, not a security consultant. <laughs> like somebody asked me what I wanted to be when I was growing up. I know it's a weird fact, but it's like when I was a little girl, I've been riding horses since I was three and like the horses are online, but it's like the weird fact is that I always believed I was going to either be a jockey because I was small, like I was, and then I grew up and I was like five, three. So apparently that's too tall for a jockey, but I was <gasps> going to be like a horse trainer or riding thoroughbreds or something around a track. And uh, somehow I ended up being uh, like getting into global politics and security. I don't know. It, it's a bit of a leap, but I <laughs> I still have horses. So somehow I'm bringing the two together. And um, one thing I don't do on, I don't talk about online is I do equine therapy. So I work, I work with, um, it's, it's a very private thing that I do with very specific clients, but I do participate in a, a rehabilitation therapeutic riding program for special needs children when there's not a pandemic and also for victims of the war, like uh, veterans who have PTSD, we work with horses. So. Oh my God. So we okay. do that as a, as a form of equine therapy. So I, yeah, I don't publicly really talk about that because it's, it's a very private thing that I do. But mm-hmm. as somebody who has recurring PTSD, also, I don't talk about that. So you've learned first three facts about me now. As somebody who has it, it's deeply personal. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. I've connected with people who have tried it mm-hmm. and I've actually wanted to try it for the last few years and I just haven't found somebody. So I'm not sure if I'm going to be a good fit for your clientele. But if I am, then I'd love to have that conversation. And if yes. not, then I am just like very pleased that you look after your clients in such a way and yourself. I think that's really important too. Yeah. Yeah. Horses are therapy. It's yeah. a good thing. Beautiful. Well, as I've said many times throughout this interview, Shannon, I just want to say how much I appreciate you. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise here. It's a much needed conversation. And it's definitely not the last time that you know we'll be talking about this so thank you so much for coming on to the quiet rebels podcast today thank you for having me and so my lovely there we have it so everything that we mentioned in today's interview will be popped into the show notes so be sure to head for that link and if you haven't done so already i would so love it if you could subscribe to this podcast because that way you don't miss a single episode and another conscious conversation And of course, if you feel cool to, I would so appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review because that really helps other quiet ripples find us. Ah, Oh my goodness. Okay, another great episode. And so I will be back same place, same time next week for another episode of the Quiet Ripples podcast. So until then, my lovely, do take care and bye for now.